This episode of Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Greetings, programs, and welcome back to another edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. Uh, it's, it feels like it's been forever since we've been here, but actually, you know, we recorded to everybody else. It was all normal, but to us, we haven't been here for two weeks. It feels like a lot longer, doesn't it? Whenever it we does. do this, it feels like it's been a month <laughs> since we've done an episode, like actually a live one. So well, it's just been Not- one of those weeks where like, you know, the past two weeks has been so much news happening and I'm just like, we've got no show to do. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's that's usually how it goes. But you know, we we've both been we've both been pretty busy. So uh, why don't you tell everyone about your your fun trip that you went on? Oh boy, um, I went to New Jersey last weekend for the Hang On to Your Shorts Film Festival to represent Monsters Anonymous. And for everyone looking on the uh, the, the Twitch stream or YouTube right now, boom, 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 boom! Look at that! In that brought home some hardware. <laughs> Check that out. Best Ensemble. That's fantastic. So um, we won for Best Ensemble, and um, Brian O'Halloran won for Best Actor in a Comedy. And um, I got to see Ming Chen while I was up there, and uh, Mike Zapsick from Comic Book Men. And Ming Chen actually remembered me, um, which was cool, because I met him at Pensacon a couple of years ago. And um, he was asking me how my house was doing because uh, I was like, what do you mean? He was like, oh, I, I was saw on Twitter that uh, the tornado hit near your house. I was like, oh, yeah. It's like um, the house is good. Um, three alarm comics didn't do so well, though. Um, but he's going to be down here for three alarm uh, for free comic book day at three alarm comics in uh, next week. And um, hopefully I'll get to uh, do a podcast with him. While he's down here, um, I don't know exactly what his schedule is going to look like, but we're going to try to get that done. Um, I may post like tacking on to the end of this show and put it on uh, a pop culture palette episode. We'll see if I can get it. So hopefully if not, then um, we'll probably just do a a Skype call with him and maybe get him on this show. Um, So that would be cool. Uh, But it also got to hang out with our... Uh, uh, Nerd Cave Retro alumni, Mr. Joey Image, got to hang out with him for a few days, and uh, we did a lot of cool stuff, man. We went to uh, the New Jersey Toy Convention, which was awesome, and let me tell you, the prices on the retro games up there at that toy convention, and the um, we went to a place called, oh, uh, what's it called, Retro... Damn it, I don't have it right in front of me. It was the, the retro gaming shop we went to up there. Where I got the uh, I got Super Mario Brothers three complete in the box for forty bucks, and um, they had some really good prices there. And I talked about it on the Pop Culture Palette Show with Joey this week about how we were in that store and I was just I was standing in front of this glass case where like they had all these complete in box Nintendo games, and I was like I could buy all of 
these if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> so I stood there for like 30 minutes, just like a statue frozen, trying to, uh, you know, going through my head, like, which one do I get? You know, do I get, do I get the Metroid classic series box in the box or do I get Mario one, two or three? Do I get, um, you know, Dr. Mario still in the box, POW still in the box, like all these great games that were in the box. So I had to ask myself, I was like, what is the one game, if you could have one game complete in box, what would it be? And uh, it came, you know, my first answer was Super Mario Brothers 3. So I was like, that's the one I'm going to get. Yeah, from the pictures you sent me and the ones I saw on your Facebook and Instagram, looked like you had a great time. I was I was especially jealous that you got to go to the secret stash because ever <laughs> since watching Comic Book Men, that's somewhere that I've always wanted to go. And, you know, kind of going back to the whole Ming Chen thing, I'm sure if his schedule allows it, he'll do it. You know, he's oh, super nice guy. He's been on my show before. So, oh, yeah, forgot you know, love to that. love to have. Love to have him on Nerd Cave Retro. And uh, speaking of Joey Image, he's actually in the chat room right now. Wave to Joey. Hi, nice. Joey. Hi, Joey. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, it's called Digital Press uh, Retro Gaming in uh, Clifton, New Jersey is where it's at. So if you're anywhere there near that town, Clifton, New Jersey, it's in uh, the north um, east quadrant of New Jersey. So go if you're a retro gaming fan, head over there. They have really good prices at that place. And um like I said, we went to the New Jersey Toy Con. Uh, we went there. We went to this other place that was kind of like a um, an antiques place, but it was like 90% nerd stuff. And mm-hmm. in there they had on the wall, it was from ni- like 1989. I tried to read the ticket stub that was actually in the case, but it was a, a Hulk Rules t-shirt that was actually worn by Hulk Hogan and torn open during the you know before the match starts. And um, the the ticket for it was like 1989, and um, mm-hmm. I couldn't read where it was at uh, on the ticket. But I was like, man, I would love to have that too. It was such That's a cool awesome. place, and um, yeah, we had a ton of fun, man. And the Hang On to Your Shorts Film Festival is awesome. I uh, wish I could have stayed longer, but um, you know, I was up there for almost four days, and. Uh, I talked to Mr. Steve Wise, and I don't know if I should be saying this, but you know, I, I told him that he should submit survey to the Hang On to Your Shorts Film Festival, and I talked to CJ, who runs the the festival, about when the submission date starts for it to let me know. And he said it was already up and running, and right now it's super early. So the earlier you get in the festivals, the cheaper it is. So it's probably super cheap right now. Uh, I told Steve mm-hmm. to go ahead and submit it, and he did. So hopefully we'll get in, and I can make another trip up next year. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I may so have you- to stow away in one of your guys' luggage if you yeah. guys do go. <laughs> so you hear that, Joey? You might have a house full next year. <laughs> 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 no, that's that's fantastic, and you know, congratulations on the the awards. You know, if it, no one, if no one, anyone who hasn't seen Monsters Anonymous yet should, should definitely go watch it. I'm not saying that because I'm friends with you and Wally, but it's actually a really well done, really funny movie. So yeah, definitely go check that out. Well, it's kind of hard to watch right now. We had to, I I had to make the hard decision to actually take it offline for a few weeks oh, because okay. of uh, some festival. Some of the festivals, some of the bigger festivals, have really stringent rules as far as uh you know submissions and stuff so if anybody wonders where it's at that that's why it's um you know we had to take it down for a while it will be back up but you know we just had to get some things straightened out first so i didn't want to get you know disqualified from anything just because we had it for uh, for free online so 
That's why it's not there. Um, but so that, whenever it's available again, yeah, until it's out. available again, we'll let you know. Um, but how was your two weeks? Uh, very busy. Um, I, I told you this the other day, but Saturday was the first off day I've had in, I think, 17 or 18 days. Wow. So it, it, it's been, yeah, so I, I've been very much enjoying my downtime. I've uh, been playing, uh, I've actually gone through and started playing the old Zelda Game Boy games again. I uh, beat oh, Link's yeah. Awakening not too long ago, so I'll do a review for that soon. Um, playing through Oracle of Seasons, which was originally on Game Boy Color. Um, other than that, you know, kind of, I, I know what I'm going to review next. It's not going to be one of those games, but I'll, I'll announce that at the end of the show. But, you know, just... Trying to enjoy some downtime. I uh, finally put out the audio version of the Survey podcast that we yeah, did I saw a couple that. of months ago. So I finally get uh, to listen to it tomorrow while I'm at work, so I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I released part one uh, this past week. Part two will be out uh, on Thursday. So Awesome. Yeah, just you know, been really busy with work and you know, just trying to enjoy the weekend of a downtime. Absolutely. Well, let's um, on that note, let's go ahead and move. We got a lot of news to cover this week. So let's we do. Let's go ahead and move into it for this week. So this first news story isn't really much of a news thing. It's more of an impression. So something that we've talked about, you know, here and there, uh, a 3D remake was recently done for one of my favorite Super Nintendo games, Secret of Mana. I was skeptical about it at first because I'm not against remakes, but they're usually not as good as the original version. Yeah, kind of like so the Chrono when, Trigger thing done not uh, pretty recently that we've talked about. Yeah. <laughs> so... You know, I, I was it came out recently. I don't remember exactly what day it came out, but I've been debating getting it. But I figured somebody's got to have a playthrough on YouTube. So I watched it. And I, I don't know what to say, except that it was complete and utter garbage. Wow. The graphics, it looks like it was made in the early GameCube days. Ugh. It looks like there was this horrible GameCube game that I played called Fantasy Star Online. Mm -hmm. It reminded me very much of that. The voice acting is completely awful. <laughs> it sounds very forced. The cutscenes are bad. It's just bad. Hmm. It looks really, really bad. They redid the soundtrack, and most of it sounds like like really awful techno versions of the original songs, which <sighs> if you know what the type of game that secret of mana is, you know that techno music does not fit it at all. So yeah, is I will not be buying secret of mana for the PS4. So was it the same company that did it or is it a different company? That's just kind of slapping a new skin on it and calling it new. Uh, let me look that up real quick. Cause <clears throat> The Wikipedia thing doesn't doesn't really say. Uh, and every review I've read pretty much says that it's awful. Hmm. Well, that's um. Let's, uh, this doesn't say. Kotaku.com says the Secret of Mana remake makes a great game worse. 
When it came out in 93, it was rightfully praised as one of the Super Nintendo's best action games thanks to a lovely soundtrack, beautiful sprite work, and fun hack-and-slash gameplay. The 2018 remake has ruined all three of these things. Wow. I've played a couple of hours on the PS4. Uh, it came out. Uh, it came out mid-February, and I can't remember the last time I've been this disappointed by a remake. The soundtrack has received an overhaul that ruins some of the SNES game's best soundtracks, adding adding dissonant melodies and irritating screeches to what was once a beautiful piece of work. Fortunately, you can switch to the original soundtrack. Hmm. Well, the sprites cool, are gone, replaced by ugly polygonal models that don't have the charm of the originals. The real shame is that Square Enix had nailed it with Adventures of Mana, the polygon-based remake of the Game Boy predecessor to Secret of Mana. It's full of animated cutscenes and voice acting, but the characters' lips don't move when they talk, which is unsettling. Uh, and the gameplay takes several steps back from 93. In most ways, it's identical to the original Secret of Mana, maintaining quirks that haven't aged well, like the way enemies will temporarily become invulnerable every time you attack them. So, yeah. Hmm. That, that's... So... If you like Secret of Mana, don't don't play this remake, and even just save yourself the pain that I had to go through uh. to watch to watch this remake. Well, just consider me it. the consider me the martyr for this whole thing. <laughs> just spare play the yourself original. the pain. Play the original on the Super Nintendo Classic. Exactly. If you want to play this game again, play the original. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a great game. Don't worry about the remake. And uh, Joey Image is actually in the chat room right now, and he said, I finally got my Dreamcast connected to my new capture card, so I'm able to stream it now. So I'm getting a ton of DC games right now to stream this week. Can't wait to play through Shinmu again, which we talked about last week. Um, if you want to go subscribe to his channel, it's twitch.tv slash Joey Image. Uh, he... He streams a ton, so it's a good it's a good channel to uh, subscribe to. He does a lot of uh, be your own DJ stuff too at night while he's <laughs> while he's not streaming <coughs> games. Absolutely. But he does a lot of uh, retro gaming stuff too. So go subscribe to his channel. He's a good dude. Um, our next story is from NintendoLife.com. SNK is releasing a Neo Geo Classic Edition to mark its 40th anniversary. Uh, it announced that it will be jumping on the Classic Edition bandwagon with its own new system, which will come preloaded with the beloved Neo Geo titles. For those who don't know, the Neo Geo was SNK's high-end home system from the 90s, which delivered arcade-quality gaming at eye-watering prices. And they are not kidding. The uh, Neo Geo back in the early 90s, I used to see <coughs> um, advertisements for it. I never saw one in a store. Like, this was one of the, the gaming systems. You either had to live, like, in a big city to get it, um, but or order it through uh, gaming magazines. But it was roughly, like, eight, nine hundred bucks, like, right around there. Like, seven, between seven and nine hundred bucks back then. The games were two hundred dollars a piece. And that was Jesus. unheard of back in the day. I mean, but we're talking about this was arcade quality, uh, you know, stuff back in the day. Yeah, uh, Joey Image said uh, the system was seven hundred dollars back in the day, and the games were two to three hundred dollars. Uh, I'm I'm just wondering what games are going to be on. I mean, I don't know too many of the Neo Geo games. The ones I do remember are like. Um, I think it was Nam 76 and then there was uh, Metal Slug 
which was a big arcade title back in the day. Um, but it was, you know, one-to-one, like as good as it was in the arcade is as good as it was on the home Neo Geo system. So this might be actually cool to have depending on what the price point's going to be. Uh, if it's a couple hundred bucks, then I'm, I'm out. But if they're going to put out like a Neo Geo mini, uh, classic edition, that's roughly hundred bucks. I might throw that down for that. That would be well worth it. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in finding out more about this. And it, I think it's cool that, you know, these franchises are jumping on the, the classic edition bandwagon. I mean, we've seen from the NES and the SNES that they sell and they make money. So, yeah, you know, you know, why not do it? Yeah, and he said the the games were the size of VHS tapes, and I remember that too. I've I've only actually seen like one Neo Geo cartridge in my life, and it was like huge. And but the cool thing was is their controllers were actually like uh, sort of like um, you know the the NES Advantage controllers, but they had like you know four or five buttons on the actual controller, which was pretty cool. You know, uh, I thought it was uh, it was a pretty cool you know, system back in the day, I would have loved to have had one, but you know, <laughs> I couldn't afford that. Uh, yeah. I mean, who could? Yeah, that's, that's a lot, but I, I'm definitely interested in following this story. Cause you know, I, I never played any of the, the Neo Geo stuff, but I I'd definitely love to for sure. Yeah. I just had to refresh my, uh, my Twitch dashboard because, uh, we, we um, stalled out there for a minute. I hope that didn't come over across the actual Twitch stream. It might just be my laptop. So uh, anybody that's watching us, Joey, if, if we stalled out, please let me know because we can always uh, stop the show and, and restart the stream. Yeah, for sure. Um, but this but, next story is all you. <laughs> <laughs> so this next story also comes to us from NintendoLife.com. At Games confirms it's making the Mega Drive Mini, then deletes tweet. As the cries of many retro gaming fans are heard throughout the country and the world. And we're suddenly silenced. <laughs> <laughs> Think you knew exactly where I was going with that. Yesterday, it was revealed that Sega is bringing its own classic edition system to market in the form of the Mega Drive Mini. A micro console preloaded with classic titles, the system was shown off during an event in Japan, instantly triggering speculation that At Games, a U.S. firm which has been making officially licensed Sega consoles for the past decade, might be involved. <coughs> Shortly before the reveal, Sega had spoken publicly about bringing At Games hardware to Japan. Following the announcement, At Games tweeted this message. The rumors are true. Sega is going to release the Mega Drive Mini in Japan, powered by the latest At Games technology. The same new and improved technology will find its way into the U.S. and other territories later this year. The tweet has since been deleted, which would suggest that At Games jumped the gun somewhat. Perhaps Sega wasn't happy that At Games stole some of the company's thunder by pointing out that it, and not Sega, is responsible for the product. Or maybe the overwhelming negative reaction to the tweet is the reason. At game systems don't have the best reputation among gamers and are plagued by poor quality emulation and bad audio. That was actually going to be my conspiracy theory is that Sega didn't want anybody to know that at games was going to be making the console because at this point, Sega doesn't have the resources that Nintendo has. They can't, you know, go just start up, a, a you know, fire up the old Sega uh, manufacturing 
that they used to have back in the 90s, you know. I mean, they don't have any of that stuff set up. So they would have to get someone else to make the hardware. And at games doing it is really, really uh, disappointing because they've yeah. been making these consoles for, they said, 10 years now. These are those consoles that you find at, like, you know, CVS and Walgreens at Christmas time, you know, in dollar stores for like 40, 50 bucks. And they're not good. And they're going to be making this Sega Genesis or Mega Drive Mini. And that's not good news to any of us. So I, I, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with this. It makes you wonder why they went with At Games in the first place. Because you know they obviously know about the reputation. Well, because At so Games why would they- already has the, the license deal. Probably. That's probably why. True. I just wonder, like, if they didn't want people to know, I mean, what would they do when the the system came out? Just not attach their name to it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't Which know would have been hilarious thinking. if they had done that. <laughs> wow, it's so crazy. Uh, but, I mean, we're going to keep our eye on this story very closely over the next couple of months, so... Yeah. I, I will, for the listeners, I'll keep both my eyes on it. Yeah. Uh, from Engadget.com, the cult classic Night Trap comes to twi- comes to Switch. Uh, this is, uh, we talked about the uh, the documentary for um, mm-hmm. the Night Trap 25th anniversary, uh, which you can find on YouTube right now. Uh, if you weren't able to get your hands on one of the 5,000 copies of the campy horror game Night Trap for the PS4 last August, fear not. Limited Run Games announced on Friday that it will be releasing the cult classic once again, this time for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, Nightwatch uh, was a full motion video game for the Sega CD released in 1992. Why did they call it Nightwatch? It's Night Trap. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, I I should have read ahead a little bit. Uh, You play as a special agent who must remotely watch the house's surveillance feeds and spring traps on the blood-sucking interlopers. This is the game that caused a bunch of hullabaloo back in the 90s where uh, it actually went to Congress and because of, uh, you know, game content. Is it safe for kids? We got to protect the children. So that was when the ESRB was created. Um, this was actually one of the games that was brought up in Congress. And it's pretty tame. <laughs> but even, even back then, it was kind of tame. But they kind of used a lot of it out of context when they did the the Senate hearings or whatever about it or the congressional hearings. And, you know, it it might be, I actually might go ahead and pick this up just for the nostalgia purposes because I did play this a little bit back in the day. I actually had a friend of mine that had a Sega CD. So I might pick it up. I don't know. I'll I'll see. I'm not going to lie. I'm really thinking about it. I probably will. Just because I'm, I'm, I'm just curious to play it. Like I'm curious enough to where I would actually put the money down yeah. and I would play it. I mean, I, I think it's kind of cool that they're actually releasing, yeah. you know, an an anniversary edition of this game for the Switch. It, it just kind of depends on how much it's going to be. I mean, if it's like a ten or fifteen dollar game, I'll pick it up. But if it's like twenty, thirty bucks, I'll be like, eh, it's a little too much. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea that this is one of the games that. Uh, Created the Eserb. Yeah, the Eserb. Eserb. <laughs> Eserb. Eserb. 
So this last story is all yours, my friend. I figured you would like this a lot. I I feel like you threw this in there just so I would read it. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> but but that's okay because I enjoy it. Uh, this last story comes to us from Reddit, one of my favorite sites on the internet. The Wizard, and it's been a while since we've re- uh, mentioned this movie, uh, to get a bare-bones mod Blu-ray release. And the actual article has a little frowny face emoji next to it, which is pretty fantastic. The Wizard, the 1989 video game slash Nintendo sponsor advertisement film starring Fred Savage will be released on Blu-ray on May 15th. It appears this is going to be a bare-bones manufacture-on-demand release with just the movie on the disc. Universal Studios has never given this film any love, even when it was released theatrically in 89, and according to the director Todd Holland, there's about an hour's worth of deleted scenes that have never seen the light of day. I've been trying to drum up some interest to see if maybe Shout Factory could release a 30th anniversary director's cut next year. God, that's insane to think about that next year is going to be the 30-year anniversary of this. Oh, and this was written by uh, I Used to Have Ambition on <laughs> yes <laughs> on Reddit, and he said, if anyone here likes that movie, maybe you could help a fellow retro gamer out and tweet at Shout Factory, uh, at Shout Factory, and Todd Holland, at Todd, Ho- Todd Holland 3, that you'd like to see a proper release. Um, I was thinking about actually doing this, because uh, I, I know Shout Factory buys up a lot of... Um, you know, movies that don't get a lot of love and they'll, they'll put out, you know, um, DVD and Blu-ray releases of stuff. So I, I would love to see like a proper, uh, Blu-ray treatment for this movie because I love this movie as a kid. I still love it. I don't care what anybody yeah. thinks. I love it. Let me, let me throw this out there. If they will do a Blu-ray release, for the Super Mario Brothers live action film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can do a Blu-ray for The Wizard. Yeah. I'm just saying. <clears throat> oh, I, I want to throw this out there because people were commenting on this article. And this is actually something I like I kind of thought about it, but just now really thinking about it. This is from Joey Jojo. It mm. bothered me so much that Jimmy knew how to find the first warp whistle whistle in Super Mario Brothers 3. Nobody ever saw the game before. How did he know where it is? And somebody wrote, it's just poor writing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it said another guy that I used to have ambition wrote back. He said, it could have been explained in a deleted scene, but if they never get released, we'll never know for sure. It's possible. Yeah. This this guy's fighting the good fight. Yeah, he is. I I like this guy. I might have to to, um, tell him that we're behind him 100%. I wonder what else Todd Holland has done. I should try and get him on my show. I don't know. We need like to, it would even be just to that. talk about the wizard. That'd be awesome. You should you should check into that. Yeah. Let, let me. I'll I'll let you deal with that. If you can get him on this show or your show, I would be much much a happy man, a happy boy. Why Why not do both? Why not both? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why have Why have one when you can have both? Exactly. Well, let's go ahead and do this month in video game history. In 1987, April of 1987 to be exact, Russian Attack was released for the NES. It was originally released in Japan and Europe as Green Beret and is a run-and-gun arcade game released by Konami in 1985. Never heard of it. I have the an actual copy of Russian Attack, but I can't get it to work. No matter how much I clean it, it will not work. Let's see. I love the logo for it. 
Yeah, it's it's a. I'm I used to play it when I was a kid. Um, but I like I said, I have a copy that I bought probably a year or so ago for like a couple dollars at the uh, the flea market, and I cleaned the hell out of it like two or three times, and I still can't get it to play. That's unfortunate. Now I'm looking at the the cover art, and it looks like an action movie poster that you would see around that time, like 84, 85. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. It was definitely along those lines of, you know, like POW and Akari warriors, that whole, uh, jungle warfare type of thing. Um, that was really big on eighties games and like military style games in top down shooters and things like that. Like it falls right in there. Like those games, like Jackal, you know, those type of games, it fits right in that category. And Joey said yeah. it's one of his fa- NES favorites. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Uh, in April of 1989, the Guardian Legend for the NES is a 1988 hybrid action-adventure shoot-'em-up video game developed by Compile for the NES. It is the sequel to the 1986 MSX game Gardic and was published and released in North America by Broderbund in 1989 and in Europe by Nintendo in 1990. Guardian Legends is one of those games I always see at the retro shop, and I need to get a copy of it because it gets a lot of uh, praise from retro gamers for being very uh, kind of ahead of its time. And it's always making the list for, like, you know, the uh, top ten, like, uh, gems of the NES or whatever, like hidden gems uh, lists. So I'm going to have to get it and check it out. Yeah, I'd definitely be interested in, you know, hearing you review it and then just looking up some info about it because, you know, I'm looking at a couple of screen caps and it looks like a game that might be up my alley. Yeah, because I know it. it's like I said, it's a hybrid game where it it takes does a lot of top down stuff like, um, you know, sort of like Blaster Master or something like that. And then it has, um, you know, like a... um, almost like a Galaga type of um, top-down shooter. Uh, that's right. That's like 1943, that type of thing. So I'm going to re- I'm gonna pick it up next time I go to the retro shop. I need to get that and Fixanadu because I told uh, told some of our listeners uh, that we talked, we read their email a couple of weeks ago that I would do it by June. So I need to go get mm-hmm. a copy of it. Um, also in May, uh, April of 1990, Ghostbusters 2 is a 1990 video game for the NES developed by Imagineering and published by Activision. I never played this version of Ghostbusters. The first one was uh, was traumatic enough because as being one of the worst games for the NES. So I, I never played this one at all. Let me take a look at some screenshots here. No, I never played any of the the Ghostbusters games. I I do remember there was one that came out not too long ago. I think it came out for the Xbox 360, and it was called Ghostbusters the Video Game. And I heard that one was really good, but I I I remember. I can very much uh, vouch for that game being very, very well done. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. No, never, never played any of the old games. I don't have any screenshots here. I'm going to have to just... Uh, it's a single-player side-scrolling game. Uh, player controls a Ghostbuster. Oh, yeah, of course. As he explores levels based on the film, uh, your character's goal is to make his way to the museum before time runs out. Yeah, I might have to check this out, but it sounds like it might be a pile of crap. 
In April of 1995, Full Throttle is a graphic adventure game developed by LucasArts and designed by Tim Schafer. The game was released on April 20th, 1995 for MS-DOS, Microsoft Windows, and Mac OS. And those of you who don't know who Tim Schafer is, he has made a lot of cool games over the last 20 years or so. Uh, and not only did he do Full Throttle, but he did Grim Fandango, Psychonauts, Brutal Legend, um, see Day, uh, Day of the Tentacle, uh, which I loved that game back when I was a kid. Uh, Secret of Monkey Island 1 and 2. So he's made a lot of cool games over the last 20 years. For sure. And I, I have heard of Full Throttle, but you know, never never played it. Yeah. I, have, I don't think I've ever played it either. Uh, might be on good old games. Might have to go check it out. Uh, also, to round us out for this month in video game history, uh, April 15th of 1997, IRM Software Engineering Incorporated is founded and mostly known internationally for 380s <clears throat> era arcade games. Moon Patrol, 1982, licensed to Williams Electronics in North America. The earliest beat-em-up, Kung Fu Master in 1984, and the scrolling shooter R-Type. Irem has been popular in Japan with games like Photo Boy for the PC Engine and In the Hunt for the arcades. Um, I have played R-Type, which is uh, one of the best side-scrolling shooters you can get for the Super Nintendo. I loved Super R-Type. Yeah, that that's a game that you know I wanted to play back in the day, but it was one that just kind of passed me by. You should definitely, but pick I would it love up. to play it eventually. Yeah, it's great, and it, it's always for sale at the retro game shops, and you can pick it up for, you know, less than ten bucks probably. I'll have to keep my eye out for a cop. So, Derek, have you been reading any books lately? Well, I do have one that I actually purchased today, uh, that I'm going to start uh, tomorrow. Uh, let me see if I can if my app will cooperate with me. So for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Now, we're both Star Wars fans. Mm -hmm. And there is a Star Wars movie coming out next month. Really? That's about a, a, a I haven't heard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know it's been kind of under the radar. Yeah. I, I didn't know if you'd know or not, but breaking there is a Star Wars movie coming out next month. Um, I wasn't quite sure what to think of this, but the more I see from Solo, I'm thinking that it might actually be pretty good. I have faith. Um, in they Ron just really. I'm just going to put that out there. I have total faith in Ron Howard. I think it's going to be great. And the last trailer looked really fun. So they just released a book. Uh, it's by Daniel Jose Older called Last Shot. It's a Han Solo slash Lando Calrissian-centric story. Sweet. So I'm actually pretty excited. And I'm hoping that for this movie, there's nothing to do with Jedi. <clears throat> I don't think Like, I don't will. even want to see a single lightsaber. Yeah, I th well, this is actually going to, you know, taking place between three and four. So I have a feeling there's going to be no Jedi play in this. What's so we're not even going to see like you know, Kyle from or what's his name from uh, Rebels. Um, yeah, we're not going to see them. We might see a cameo of their ship in the background or something, but there's going to be no force wielding in this 
this movie. I have a feeling this is just going to be a straight-up heist movie featuring Han Solo and, and Chewbacca. So I have full faith that this movie is going to be really good. I, I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. So that's my prediction right here. Remember this episode. I, I like it. So I'm excited to read that. You know, anything with, with Han and Lando should be great. So I, I'm looking forward to reading that. But they have a ton of other books as well. They have Star Wars. They have gaming uh, they have World of Warcraft, Mass Effect, Gears of War, Halo, uh, mystery, sci-fi, any genre you can think of, Audible has. And if you're always on the go like I am, it's a great service to have to be able to, to continue to read without having to sit down and read a physical copy. So to do that, just go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave to get your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. And tonight we are talking about... I sent Derek a text the other night saying I couldn't remember what I said I was going to be uh, reviewing for this week. So I was like, you know what? I did a stream of Friday the 13th uh, about a week or so ago, right before I left for New Jersey. And I hated it. So if you want to watch it, <laughs> you can watch it on my Twitch. It's uh, archived on my Twitch stream and my YouTube page. Um, but I figured I would go ahead and talk about Friday the 13th uh, for the Nintendo Entertainment System. I was going to save this game for Halloween Horror Month that we do every year on the Nerd Cave Retro Show. But I was like, you know what? I don't want to play this game again. <laughs> but this, so I, this is wait. This is the one with the guy who attacks kids in their dreams, right? No, 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 no. That's oh, uh, oh, that's okay. the uh, okay. that's the other guy. That's the other LJN oh, okay. game that sucks ass. <laughs> 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 but Friday the 13th is a survival horror video game published by LJN and developed by Japanese video game developer Atlas for the Nintendo Entertainment System. It is an adaptation of the Friday the 13th franchise. Well, glad you could let us know that there, Wikipedia. Um, the plot of the game, like, here's the thing. I hated playing this game the other night on the stream. I played it. Uh, I played it twice because you you have you start out with six camp counselors, and there are different um, objectives you have to do, and you can actually switch between the camp the camp counselors. And the way the game is set up is you have Camp Crystal Lake, and you have different. You have a map system, which uh, I couldn't really figure out how the map system worked, but it shows where. There are um, all the cabins around the lake, and then there's bigger cabins and smaller cabins, and then um, there's cabins actually on Camp Crystal Lake, um, or actual Crystal Lake, and you can switch between the the, the camp counselors, which are in different um, uh, cabins around the map. So what happens is you have these set of tasks that you have to do, uh, and this is just from what I understand about the game. Um you have to go through the game and you have to light, you have to get a lighter and you have to light all the fireplaces uh, that all the cabins that have fireplaces. And once you do that, 
Um, and all this comes from me doing research after playing the game because I had no, none of this is, is talked about in the game at all. Like you have, you have to just figure all this stuff out, but for some reason I am deeply fascinated by this game and I don't know why I, I think I may have figured it out, but we'll get to that later. But what you have to do, you have to go through and light all the fireplaces all the while, while you're trying to do this, while well, you, you light all the fireplaces so that you can get a torch, which does massive damage to Jason. And while you're trying to accomplish this task, Jason keeps popping up around the map to, um, or it keeps popping up on uh, the, the lake, like the um, cabins around the lake. And you have to go, and he keeps killing children. And you have to go to that particular cabin to face Jason. And each time, you don't necessarily get to kill him, but you have to avoid getting hit, which the controls in this game are not good. Um, but you have to avoid getting hit, and you have to basically run him off by hitting him a bunch of times. With either you have rock, you can upgrade your weapons throughout the game. You start out with just rocks, like you throw rocks. You upgrade to a knife, which you throw, and then you can upgrade to, I think later on you get like a sickle you can throw, uh, and then of course you get the torch after you get all the fireplaces, which does massive damage to Jason, and if you can get the torch, then you can ultimately kill him, and you have to do this before he kills all the children, and, and or he kills all of the your six camp counselors. If all your six camp counselors die then you end up with a screen that says you and all of your friends are dead. <laughs> and I'm like, well, thanks. <laughs> so any questions Pretty thus dry far? There. <clears throat> um, I don't think so. I mean, I was wondering like how this game actually worked. Well, here's and the it... thing. You saying that, here's the thing. I think the reason I'm so fascinated with this game is because I think there's a good game buried in there. And what I think it is, mm -hmm. is, you know, everybody makes fun of LJN, but the, the thing with LJN is, is they were created, they were a subsidiary of, of, I believe, Acclaim, which is Ultra, which did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, was a subsidiary subsidiary of Konami. And, what the, and the reason they did that is because they to get around the Nintendo's stringent policies of only being able to, pub, to publish three games a year. So in order to get around that, they created these subsidiaries. So a lot of the people that worked on these games, like the Friday the 13th game for LJN, uh, Back to the Future... Um, uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. A lot of those guys were, you know, fresh out of like, you know, college or, you know, had never worked on a game before. This was their first games they ever worked on. So, but they actually went on to do better things. So you can see that the idea for a good game is here because you have tasks that you have to perform in order to upgrade your weapons and get better stuff to, in order, all the while avoiding and surviving encounters with Jason in order to build yourself up, up enough to actually, you know, kill him, which is a good idea. But Yeah, I, I think, like the idea. Yeah, just but I think just the limitations of the hardware or maybe it was just too ambitious for such young programmers that they couldn't quite make it work. Yeah, I'm reading here. This is a cool little side note. It says here also players may battle Jason's mother, 
who is in a hidden locked room in a cave, and she's yeah. represented as a Medusa-like floating head that swoops down to attack the player. I actually looked that up um, and watched a video of that earlier today where if you go into the cave, this is just kind of like, this ha- actually has nothing to do with the plot of the game. It's just one of those kind of secret areas that they put in the game. You can go into this cave, but you have to have the flashlight I mean, you can get there without the flashlight if you know where to go. Because if you go in the cave, the background Mm -hmm. is actually black. But if you have the flashlight, you Mm -hmm. can actually see the background. And you can see where this hidden cave is. If you go in the hidden cave, then that's you go in this door that behind the door is Jason's mother's head, which comes to life and it starts to attack you. And it's kind of like one of the Medusa heads in Castlevania. Which is actually yeah. a cool touch to me. I mean, you could tell that the people that actually made the game watched the movies and they knew the lore behind the movies, mm-hmm. which is more than I can say for like the Back to the Future game because nothing in that game actually makes any uh, ref- makes any sense as far as Back to the Future. Um, but like I said, I actually think there's a lot of good ideas in this game. It was just not implemented correctly. And I feel like... This game, playing it, like, the, the controls are so clunky. The, the music is really good. Like, I was impressed with how much I actually like the music for this game. It's very moody and, like, kind of fits the, the setting. But I th- feel like this is kind of an alpha version of the game that they were like, hey, and they presented to, you know, uh, Acclaim through, or the heads of LJN were like, Hey, this is kind of what we're working on. So, you know, take a look at it. And then they looked at it and said, eh, good enough. Let's put this out. And they're like, whoa, 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 wait, it's not done. They're like, nah, this is good. Let's just put this out. Yeah, good enough. Yeah. So I feel like if they'd have had another couple of months of development, it might have actually turned into a good game. Well, I'm reading some of the the reception here on the, the Wikipedia page, and it's Pretty widely disliked. I mean, it says here, Michigan Daily's Matt Grandstaff called it a poor offering by LJN, and the authors of Nintendo Power rated it as the sixth worst game ever in its September 97 issue. It's, the writer stated, after playing a few minutes, you wanted Jason to slaughter all the counselors and then you. Anything so it would just end. Yeah. <laughs> that, mean, that's it, that's pretty harsh. If you go back and watch my stream, you can see my frustration with the actual game. <laughs> but like I said, it, I think there's something to like about the game if it's just one of those things you're going to play occasionally. But I don't, it's not a game you're going to want to play all the time. It's definitely one of those games you're going to want to play to be like, all right, let's see what all the, the hype is about as far as how bad it is. And I don't think it's mm-hmm. as bad as people say it is. I think it was just, it was either too ambitious for, you know, very green, um, you know, uh, programmers, you know, uh, or maybe they just had a lot of good ideas that they just didn't know how to implement properly. Because I think if you actually remake this game today like on the playstation 4 or the switch or whatever whatever your gaming console of choice is if you had a a friday the 13th game that came out it was a 3d world 3d environment where you could choose between you know you have six camp counselors that you can choose from and switch between and you have to use each one's strengths and weaknesses to complete tasks all the while being you know, hunted by Jason Voorhees, 
but you have to complete these different tasks in order to make yourself strong enough or build something to actually kill Jason Voorhees. I think that would actually be a very good concept for a game. Like I could see it sort of being, you know, kind of like that. Uh, did you ever play? Um, oh crap! What was the game? What was it? Was on the Xbox 360. It was about the writer who it was up in the Pacific Northwest, and he had to have a flashlight. Oh crap! What was that? What was game? the name of that game? That was a really good game. I played it, and I don't now. I can't think of the name of it. Uh, it's right uh, was it Alan Wake? Alan Wake, that's it. I could see it being sort of like an Alan Wake like feel to the game, which you know mm-hmm. that whole time playing that game was just real creepy and like atmospheric, and you know you're constantly like wondering what's around the next corner. That type of game, I could see you know taking this concept for the old NES game and just bringing it to now and making a good game out of it. I could definitely see that. And I like I've never played this game before, but just hearing you talk about it, like I, I can I can see where you're saying where it has the idea of a good game, but it wasn't just it wasn't just executed well. Yeah. So I, I think if you were to take this concept and bring it into the modern world as far as gameplay goes, I mm-hmm. think it could be kind of cool. I think it could work. But because like I said, there's a lot of great ideas in the game. But you know, the controls really slog this game down. I mean, it has got some tank controls that are just not responsive. You know, you go into the, the, the cabins and the first person perspective it goes to, you know, the, the, the like they would try to do first person perspective on the NES just wasn't good. So I think it was mm-hmm. a game that might actually just be ahead of its time and they just didn't have the the hardware to be able to pull it off. So I kind of got to give this game a little bit, you know, I got I got to give it some props even though it is a bad game. There's a like an actual heart behind this game and it's weird and I think that's why I have sort of a a fondness for this game and I've really kind of like been fascinated with this game over the past couple of weeks like reading articles and and watching videos about it because you know I've always had this extreme hatred for LJN but I think a lot of their stuff is bad but some of it like this is sort of okay because it of the the idea behind it's good it was just bad implementation yeah no I could I could see that I mean, I'm going to have to give this, you know, on a scale of one to 10, I'll have to give it a six because it is kind of, it's better than it should be, but it's also worse than it should be. It's just kind of a weird, it's a weird anomaly. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to watch some video of this or watch your, your stream of it. Yeah, everybody enjoys watching me play it because of my reactions every time Jason would pop out. Because not only do you fight him, like, you know, the, the alarm starts to go off and you have to actually figure out how to get to the the cabins that he's in because the map system does not work at all. Like, you have to move a little bit and then, you know, hit the start button, look at the map and see which actual direction you're moving. Like, I haven't figured out the map quite yet, how the map works, because you're looking... You know, the actual gameplay screen is a 2D plane, you know, straight Mm -hmm. ahead plane, but 
you have a map that, you know, is in a big circle. So I, I still can't understand exactly. Like sometimes you'll be moving left, but you'll be moving right on the map. Sometimes you'll be moving right and moving left. And I just, I can't figure it out. So, you know, so, but sometimes you'll just be walking along and Jason will just show up outside while you're ba- you're fighting zombies trying to get, you know, better weapons and stuff. And all of a sudden he'll just show up and scare the shit out of you. <laughs> and, and you got to fight them all. So it's just really just a game of um, trying to avoid Jason until you can make yourself strong enough to actually kill him. Interesting. That's very interesting. So that's all I got to say about Friday the 13th. I know I talk a lot of trash about it, but I've kind of come around the last two weeks or so to actually... I got to give this game some props and give it a little love because there is a lot under the surface here. Of I, I could see what they were trying to do, but I got to ding them for you know not putting enough resources into it to actually making it work. And so it is written, and so it so shall be it, done. Yes. So um, let's go ahead and talk <laughs> about some emails for this week. Uh, let me see if I have emails. A, uh, do I have a little song maybe to play? I don't know. Uh, let's see if I have some music there. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, guys. Been listening for a while, and I think you guys might like Ocean Horn on the Switch. It reminds me of a combination of Zelda, Link to the Past, Star Tropics, and Zelda, Wind Waker. It's a 3D-ish game where you have to sail between different islands with dungeons, towns, and hidden locations. Uh, You get spells, bombs, arrows, but normally fight with your sword. You earn XP, but your character doesn't really level as much as each level gives you new abilities, like upgrading your boat or letting you carry more bombs or arrows. Enemies drop coins, hearts, bombs, etc. Lots of puzzles to solve, lighting torches, and pushing blocks. Uh, They bought it yesterday on the eShop. This was about a week ago. uh, For 15 bucks, and he said he played all day, stopping long enough to go to the grocery store, and then jumping right back on. He's also been playing SteamWorld Dig 2, which is a good improvement on the first. Lots of fun, and the end sets up for another sequel, which I'm really interested in because I love the first SteamWorld. Uh, SteamWorld Dig. Uh, Try it out and see if you like it enough to give it a mention. I will say the show only proves to me that I wasted my childhood because nearly every game that one or both of you have never played or heard of, I have dropped way too many quarters into or spent hours in front of the TV on. If you ever have any questions on games, drop me an email. Thanks for making my Mondays at work a lot less boring. David P. Hagen. Um, you're not the first person to, to say that about stuff that we've never heard of. Wally's always just like, what? How have you never heard of this game? But here's the thing. When we first started this, this podcast, I thought I was an expert on some like eighties, uh, like arcade games and stuff, but I'm actually surprised, you know, doing the, this month in video game history, how much stuff we missed as kids. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And I do want to check out this Ocean World game because it sounds like yeah. it's a game that's right up my alley. It sounds awesome, so I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah, he said Star Tropics. He said Link to the Past and Star Tropics. So that that right there, I mean, you, you got my mind. Yeah, yeah, and I will say, you know, I, I think I speak for you as well. The the last line of his email: "Thanks for making my Mondays at work a lot <laughs> less boring." That makes doing this whole show worth it. Exactly. 
Um, and you're welcome, by the way, Mr. Mr. David P. Hagen. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we got one more yeah, um, from Derek Bryant on Facebook. He says, on the topic of point-and-click games, you guys ever play Clock Tower Series or D? I believe both were on PlayStation and I'm sure on PC. D's music was so good that Henryville High School marching banded years ago. That's uh, 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 I'm sure on PC. I think I accidentally... Um, uh, I think I missed something out of here. It's so good that the Henryville High School marching band uh, did some of the music years ago. I think I missed something when I um, uh, copied and pasted. I'm sorry. Um, both are very creepy games. And um, Derek, you're not the first person to actually bring up Clock Tower um, to us. I think uh, Brian C. did as well. I'm going to have to check that out and mm-hmm. see what it's about because it sounds awesome. Yeah, it really does. I mean... You know, I, I've been I've been thinking about adding some point and click games uh, to my list of things to review because I've been looking at, you know, adding some more variety. You know, I mean, I started doing Game Boy games, Genesis games, but, you know, I, I've thought about adding some point and click games as well. Yeah. And our um, our official Nerd Cave retro fact checker at the real big wall, Wally Phelps. Uh, pointed out the other day that Telltale Games still does point-and-click games, which technically, yes, they do, and I forgot about Telltale, so go (laughs) stick it up your ass. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny Uh, because now anytime that I get a a notification from Twitter and it has Wally's name on it, I'm just like, ah, shit. (laughs) What did we miss? What did we miss? (laughs) Actually, I did forget about that um, because I do have – I did finish The Walking Dead – um, the first Telltale game. Uh, I did get the second one, but I never finished it because it was so freaking depressing. I couldn't get through it. So I stopped playing it about halfway through. I am interested in playing, um, what is it called? The Wolf, Wolf Among Us, which looked yes. really cool. And not to mention the, the Batman Telltale series. So I'd like to check both of those out. Yeah, I really want to play the Batman ones for sure. And speaking of Batman, I'm really thinking um, in two weeks my next uh, um, review might actually be Batman and uh, the Adventures of Batman and Robin for the Super Nintendo because I've been playing it a lot and it's great. It's it's definitely a palate cleanser from uh, the Return of the Joker that I did a couple of weeks ago because that game was left a bad taste in the mouth. Yeah, it's funny because I was actually looking up uh, IGN's list of 100 greatest SNES games, and that game was on it. Yeah, it's really I mean, it, good. It, it, it looks like the perfect Super Nintendo game. I think you should get so it. So I can't wait to hear you talk about I it. I think you should get it, and if you got to find like a ROM of it for the emulator or whatever, I think you should get it and and play uh, some of it for the over the next two weeks and help me do a review of it, because I think you'll dig it a lot. I think I might just do that. You should do that. But before that, next week, uh, so I've been, I was originally going to review Link's Awakening for the Game Boy, but I was thinking back to the Sonic 3 review that I did and talking about the, you know, being able to link up with Sonic and Knuckles, and you can link Sonic and Knuckles with Sonic 2 as well, which one of our listeners pointed out, I think, on Twitter. And it reminded me of a concept that Rare tried to do with its Banjo-Kazooie series that did not work. So I'm going to review the sequel to Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie, next week and talk about why their scheme did not work. Fantastic. That sounds great. 
<coughs> so I'll be reviewing that next week. I actually added several games to the, the Google Doc for uh, Super Nintendo. I uh, found a lot of stuff that I missed, so uh, I'm going to be shaking it up here a little bit. You know, I've, I'm liking the the variety of you know N64, yeah. Genesis, SNES, so it's something I really enjoy. So. Um, yeah, I'll be I, doing Banjo Tooie next week. I think once I do the the Batman and Robin, I think I might be out of Batman games to do. Let's see, I've done, I did Batman for the NES, I did Batman Returns for the Super Nintendo, I did Return of the Joker, and then I'll be doing Adventures of Batman and Robin. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that's all the Batman games for the you know the Nintendo Super Nintendo era. Hmm. Yeah, I thought there might have been one or two more. Do they ever do too. a Batman Beyond game for Super Nintendo? I think they did. I might have. Let me let's look that up real quick. Batman yeah. Beyond SNES. Yes, they did. Uh, uh, Return of the Joker. I There's wish, one for I, N64. Yeah, that's what I was looking up. It's for the Nintendo 64, but not for the Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Um, they did Batman Forever for the Super Nintendo, but I I might have to skip that one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, boy. Do you remember, kind of speaking of Batman Forever, did you ever, do you remember the song that Seal did? Yeah. Kiss from a Rose? Oh, yeah. I still have the sound. Have you that ever one what- of the best soundtracks, man. Did you ever see the music video yeah, to did. that song? <laughs> it's literally just him singing in front of the bat signal, and it's I know. <laughs> so bad, it's amazing. <laughs> hey, if I ever got to do a music video, I would totally do the whole thing in front of a bat signal, too, so I can't blame him. <laughs> it's literally him in front of the bat signal with footage from the movie yeah. spliced in. It's so, uh, it's so bad, it's so good. Ah, uh, the 90s, where did you go? <laughs> I know. I, I do miss that decade. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up for this week. Um, go ahead and let everybody know about uh, what you got going on with the Derek Diamond experience. So I mentioned earlier, I released part one of the survey podcast that we did. Uh, you can still go on facebook.com slash D diamond podcast and check out the video version, but I released part one of the audio version this week, uh, this upcoming Thursday, I'll be releasing part two and this Friday is May 4th. Mm-hmm. It's Star Wars Day. Um, I do have to work that night, but we are doing Star Wars night at the Blue Wahoo Stadium, my place of employment. And I have been given the green light to do a live episode of my show from the stadium. Awesome. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be having um because we're having like Star Wars themed food specials. We've got exclusive merchandise. Uh, we've got characters coming out, you know, and, and we got the actual right from Lucasfilm to use all the <laughs> like everything. So uh, it should be a fun time. Uh, I don't know 100 percent sure what I'm going to do yet. It might just me be me talking for an hour, but I'll try and you know grab maybe some Star Wars fans and it, it it'll be kind of cool for people who like only know me through my show to see where I work. So it'll, it'll be fun. Like I'm actually really looking forward to it. That's fantastic. I'm going to have to watch that if I can. So that'll be this Friday night, um, starting at five 30 and it'll probably go till about six 15. Cause I I do have to be back in the press box before the game (laughs) starts at six 30. So, 
Well, cool. I'll, I'll try it, it should be, be fun. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, as far as the pop culture palette goes, if you would like to hear my full testimony about my New Jersey adventure with Mr. Joey Image and Mr. Stephen B. Scott is back in town uh, yes. for a couple of weeks. So he came back on the show the other night to let us know everything that was going on in uh, Europe while he was gone uh, and what he has planned for the future. Um, so go over there to uh, pcpradio.com or at PCP Show on Twitter. Uh, and go check it out. It's a, it was a great show. So go, go listen to that. And, um, I think it's time to go ahead and get out of here. What do you say? Sounds good to me. Go ahead and play our music. And if you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're on, we're at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro, at jfunktastic, and at Derek underscore diamond. And we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.